on this Honoring the Gifts of Women Sunday, I thought it would be amazing to hear women sing and then to have them share with us the scripture passage and begin to take on those characters. So thank you uh, to all of you. So we have two themes going on today. Uh, as we were coming down the aisle, as we're walking by, somebody said, what's with the motorcycle? <laughs> so our theme that our worship design team is going to be sharing with you through worship and through preaching is going to be resurrection revolution. Jesus didn't come to keep things the status quo. He didn't come to abide by rules that men in leadership had made in the temple. He came to give life. He came to shake things up. And then we find, after his resurrection, that now these disciples who have been in hiding, there were many, many people who followed Jesus. Now they have been entrusted with this incredible news that he still lives, that he has risen from the dead. And they, right along with him, take on the establishment. They begin with boldness preaching. And so today I'd like to share with you my resurrection rebel for the day, Mary Magdalene, because the story really starts with her. Isn't it true that sometimes in this world, the rumor mill gives us a reputation we have not earned, and often it's in the negative. So imagine Mary Magdalene, when some look back on history, they think of her as a prostitute. She was never a prostitute, never. When she's looked upon from the pages of the New Testament and from our gospel lessons, she was encountered by Jesus when she was suffering from seven demons. We don't know what those demons are. Were they spiritual demons? Were they things that she suffered from, like depression? We don't know, but here's what we do know. If she was plagued by whatever it was that was troubling her, her spirit was unsettled. And although she came from an amazing background, actually she was wealthy. She had a successful business with her family, a fishing business back in Mandela. So now she really doesn't fit the bill that history has given her. And so no matter how much money she had, she could not shake these seven demons, these things that troubled her. And literally one day, Jesus stepped into her life and he changed everything. So not only did she leave her home and her family to follow him right along with those disciples, she left a life of privilege. And what we do know in one little verse and one little phrase, it says, and Mary shared her resources with Jesus and the disciples. Who would feed them? Who would guide them as they went from place to place? Have you ever thought, how did they do that? And now we know that one of their sources was actually her. How interesting, too, that we hear a lot about the disciples, especially Peter and John the Beloved. Do you know that when you look up in the New Testament, in the four Gospels, 
that her name is mentioned 12 times and she surpasses 10 of the disciples by name. Scripture always has importance on numbers. And so isn't it interesting that the number of times she's mentioned are literally 12, the 12 disciples. So sometimes people will say, especially women, we say, well, why didn't Jesus pick 12 women to go with those 12 guys? We're getting rooked. And actually, Jesus was very frequently talking to women all over the pages of the New Testament, wherever he traveled. And again, always the rebel, women were not to be talked to, especially if you were standing alone with a woman. You see that when Jesus encountered the Syrophoenician woman, the woman at the well. And we see how he encountered and interacted with women. Mary and Martha, right? His dearest friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And he would frequently stop at their home. He would bring some of the disciples, some of the time. Sometimes he came alone, but that was precious few. And so we know that he treated women with respect and with dignity in a culture that still treated them like property, where they didn't have a voice. He encountered them and invited them into conversation. So how amazing it is that now we know some things about Mary Magdalene that we didn't know before, perhaps. So her story is an amazing story. And of course, as Jesus is prone to do, he doesn't seem to select the disciples that we may have selected. He tends to pick ordinary people, living ordinary lives, just like God in the Old Testament selecting sheep herders, you know, selecting Moses, who life was going pretty good till that burning bush lit up and it changed everything. It was almost like, really? I'm kind of happy. I'm going to do what? And it happens again and again with the disciples. So I bring you now to the scripture passage that, that morning when she rushes out. For whatever reason, she's alone. And sometimes we see her alone, and sometimes she's grouped with other women, like Jesus' mother. But she goes out alone early. And it was a custom that someone would come, typically women, and they would anoint the body. So she was out there, she arrived, and when she arrives, there's no Jesus. Now it almost turns into like a crime show right now. You, you, you can hear the music, and immediately she wonders who stole his body. So now it becomes a case, and she is beside herself. Who would have taken her Messiah? She's already in deep, deep grief. Remember, she stayed at the foot of the cross. She never left. Most of the disciples were in hiding in Port Peter in the courtyard, denying Jesus not once, but twice, but three times. And she never left the cross. She saw it all firsthand. Never was she ever expect that when you go to a graveyard you find someone that would come back to life so now she's beside herself 
and she is running back to where the disciples are still in hiding. You can almost imagine the scene of her bursting through the door, and she's afraid. She doesn't know what's happened. She assumes that someone's taken him, and then she gets them to follow her, and then we have this interesting little race between Peter and John, little competition. It's kind of funny because we're reading out of John, you know, like who was faster, who got there. I'm like, really? Come on. <laughs> and then they run and they get there and now they are beside themselves. They don't know what's happening. And there's this little verse that starts off our scripture passage and it says, and they returned home. Home? What? Yeah, they were home didn't mean back to the place where they had been in hiding in fear for their lives. They didn't know what to do. Now he was gone again, and they literally went home. They tried to go back to the things that they had done before, going back to fishing, going back to family and friends, not knowing what to do. They, they, they went home. And when she came, she was the only one left standing there. The disciples had gone home, and there she was. And then all of a sudden, the story goes that she encounters these two angels. So now they've left. She's alone. She's standing inside the empty tomb. And all of a sudden, she looks up, and there these angels are. What an interesting question. Mary, why do you weep? It's almost like, really? Really? Why do you weep? They've taken my Lord. Who would have taken my Lord? And then she assumes there's a gardener. And she doesn't recognize Jesus at first. Because again, you don't expect people who you watch die to come back to life. And she expects him to be the gardener. And there's this little interaction. But then there's this moment where he calls her out by name. And he says, Mary. And instantly, she knows that voice. Harkens back to Jesus and his teaching and preaching when he says, and my sheep know my voice. She knows his voice. And now she rushes to him. And she falls at her feet. She tries to cling to him. And what does he say? Wait. Wait, I've not yet ascended to my father. I love that scene, and I've thought a lot about that scene this week, and about her life. And in looking back at her life, and her first encounter with Jesus, where he cast off those seven demons, from that moment on, he had set her free. He set her free from all that had encumbered her. And she immediately became a disciple who lived her life out of gratitude. She was so thankful. She loved everything to follow him. So thankful. She couldn't leave him at the cross because she couldn't leave him for the years that she followed him. She was being totally consistent. And so she stayed because where else would she go? How else? Could she honor him? But at the cross, and now in the garden, he comes to her and he says her name. And again, 
It's powerful. And it's almost like it's too good to be true, right? It's almost like it's too good to be true. So she runs back because he tells her, you got to catch the disciples. They're about to leave town. Go back, tell them. And then she tells them, and they're in shock because like her, it, it's too good to be true. And there they come. But Jesus has left. He will appear to them some days later. How interesting. <coughs> Why on earth did Jesus choose a woman in that culture and that time to be the bearer of the resurrection, the first voice of the resurrection? Amazing. Because she has been consistently there. And notice all these disciples, right, as we journey with them, there are moments where they seem a little bumbling, there are moments when their mothers get involved and are like, ask Jesus, who's the favorite? Right? There are moments when Jesus like empowers them and they do these amazing things and then they come back and reality hits and they sink down below the water or they miss the mark. And that's what makes them so darn relatable, right? That Jesus chose them, ordinary guys, now ordinary women, and they followed, and he changed everything. And he set them free, free to live and to love and not be encumbered by what the world has to dole out. It's circumstances, right? We cannot control, although we sure would like to, a lot, this pandemic. It would be really great if it could just like end today. <laughs> we can't control it. And so what we can control is our commitment to following Jesus, to catching his message of love and life. It said that he came to live life abundantly, and she lives her life abundantly from that moment when he sets her free. Even standing at the foot of the cross, she is living her life abundantly. She has meaning and purpose, and that is following him. And now he gives her a new story, a new chapter, she thought the book was finished. She thought he died. It was all over. And here he comes, writing a new chapter to her story. And because she did what he asked, we're here today. Imagine. You know, as a little kid, you'd play those games where like, you'd whisper. You'd have like 10 friends at a party. and You'd start off with one line, and you'd go through each kid. And by the end, you're like, wait, what? <coughs> incredible to think about how true that message is and how it's made it thousands of years continuing to change people's lives and if it wasn't for her and those disciples doing that and committing their lives to that the church would have fallen before it had even begun what I think is really powerful for us today as we, as we honor women in our lives is that we hearken back to the women in the Bible, the Old Testament and the New, and they all have a call story. We hearken back to those men in the Bible who had a call story. And we have to acknowledge that we too have one, that Jesus continues to call us today to follow him. And sometimes we gotta run, and sometimes it is joy filled to the bursting, and sometimes it involves pain. 
And we know that when we love people, we really love people, there can be a mixture of both. And yet, in our discipleship is where we find our purpose, where we have meaning. When someone says to you, I don't know who I am anymore, I just feel so lost, you can say, you are a child of God. You can say, your purpose in this life is to love and serve Him by loving and serving others. Meaning and purpose and call. And I often find myself always amazed that when I go into a situation or when I encounter someone or I have one of my cockamamie ideas, somehow Jesus multiplies it or blesses it in a way that I never saw coming. Really amazing. It's an adventure to follow him. And it is rebellious because the things he asks us to do are not expected in this world in which we live today any more than it was then. The only difference being that we right now in the United States don't have the trouble of persecution. All over the world there are Christians still being persecuted because they want to go and worship. Amazing and incredible to think about. So how important it is, men and women, disciples of Jesus Christ, to continue to spread the news that Jesus is alive that Jesus is alive so that we can mentor the next generations beyond us. What a gift we have been given today. I included in our bulletin today a reading called Praise to the Women on My Journey. And I would ask you today that you begin to think this week about the women in your life who have made a remarkable mark on you, that somehow they have shaped you. And I, I will be very honest and say sometimes there are men and women in our lives or in our past that have made their mark upon us, but not in a positive way. But even that has the ability to shape us. But for this week, I encourage you to think about those women, past and present, who continue to help you stay the course, keep the faith, who give you that belief when sometimes we just don't believe in ourselves. A woman comes alongside in your life and believes into you, loves you, hopes for you, and even sometimes, so my mother tells me, has to give you a kick in the pants. <laughs> Challenge you, right? draw greater faith out of you. How amazing it is. So I'd like us to conclude the sermon today together as we read Praise to the Women on My Journey. To the women on my journey who showed me the ways to go and ways not to go, whose strength and compassion held up a torch of light and beckoned me to follow. To the women on my journey, who showed me how to live and not to live, whose grace, success, and gratitude lifted me into the future of surrender to God. 
to the women on my journey who showed me what I am and what I am not, whose love, encouragement, and confidence held me tenderly and nudged me gently. To those women, I say bless you and thank you from the depths of my heart, for I have been healed and set free through your joy and through your sacrifice. God bless you. Amen. Amen.